The Trek Files, Season 6, Episode 9, Gene Roddenberry Comments to Writers, 1959. Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek. Well, hello, Star Trek fans, all you Star Trek historians, hey, all you canonistas, I say that lovingly now, all you tech heads, yes, of course, I mean, all you Trekophiles, spelled with an F. We've got a really, really special show today. We're going to dig way back into Gene's files and talk with somebody you very much know from today. Uh, who will talk about one of these look back, look at it today, and we'll see... Um, yeah, just how relevant everything about uh, Gene and Star Trek is uh, is for today. And talk about something that's exciting that's happening right now, too. Okay, enough talk. Look, check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash thetrekfiles. Find, as always, our documents for the week. Meanwhile, here's an excerpt, but then stick around, because I'll be right back with this week's guest. Since you are a very old friend, I feel an obligation to be honest about something else, too. Quite frankly, Pat, they did not consider this particular script well-written. I wish there was some way to take the sting out of this, but unfortunately in this game, there just isn't. It may be, of course, that this particular area of action melodrama is not your cup of tea, or equally possible, perhaps, the suggestions I gave you were all wrong. But for what it's worth, that's the story I get from Ziv. Yes, Trekophiles, at one point there was a small studio named Ziv. <laughs> In all the days when, uh, when uh, TV was young and production studios were springing up all over the place, Gene was uh, working on a pilot here called Foot Patrol, but he's doing a friend a favor. Or was he? Now, what I love about this uh, letter and the other letters we've got in our documents this week is, once again, they show just how much... The, the more things change, the more they stay the same especially when it's in the words of Gene Roddenberry. And someone I know knew many of those words of Gene Roddenberry, and even after his passing, echoed them in much of her work. Someone you know today, especially if you're on the convention trail, is our my good friend of many years long standing, a key person helping me get the Star Trek Next Generation Companion done on time, just for starters, but a great old friend. And now you see her on the convention circuit. Lolita Fajo, get in here. I'm so glad we finally got you on the Trek Files. It's great to see you. Yay, I'm happy to be here finally. It seems like we've been talking about this forever. So it's uh, great timing and lots to talk about, I hope. Old and new. Yeah. Well, we've got a lot of things to talk about, but hey, listen, uh, I, I neglected on your introduction there to say Lolita came to Star Trek as just another assistant for the producers and worked her way up, but then starting with the sixth season, Next Generation, right? For the next one, two... So eight years, you were the script coordinator. I was for all things Star Trek before yes. you entered your new era as a agent for a lot of the actors at conventions and appearing. Exactly. But we're talking scripts and writing. What, what what comes up to you? You can talk about the job, but also what what comes up as you read these notes of Gene to his supposed close friends who are. Stop me if you heard this before. Young writers trying to break into the business, right? <laughs> oh, 
that's right. And that's what happened on Star Trek, The Next Generation, Voyager, and Deep Space Nine, was uh, young writers trying to break into the business. But seeing that letter from Gene from 1959, obviously he was trying to help people a long time before Star Trek was ever even conceived. So um, that particular letter was kind of brutal, though. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but uh, it must have been to a good friend who could probably take the criticism. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I Gene was well the first few years that I was there. Um, I worked in the office right across the hall from him, so I really didn't did get to see him on a daily basis and read his memos when they came through the producer's office. And I think he was always very blunt and to the point. But I think you kind of have to be that way. You don't want to lead a young a, a young writer or a writer along and not let them know what they're doing wrong. So I think, you know, that was probably the best way he handled things like that. Right. Well, if this if now, so Rough Riders, we were looking, this is in the era of the Westerns, right? Right. <laughs> and everything is like three fourths of the shows on, especially right. 1959 was like the peak year for Westerns, apparently. And um, so everyone's doing Western scripts. Uh, he's working uh, another pilot here, Foot Patrol, which was actually a cop show. He was trying to show the gr- nitty-gritty side of one particular cop's everyday routine, but it didn't sell, but it was a, one of his pilots. But he's talking here, and it's, it could be 20 and 30 years later, because you've got, you, you can tell, right? And and let's just be clear, you, you never wrote a script, but you handled so many of them and saw yes. them and saw, and what we call coverage, people... Coverage. Right. Tell, explain what that is, just in passing. Well, I saw, I, let me just say, and we can talk more about it if you want. I saw every aspect of mm-hmm. a was produced from the very beginning, even as small as a one sentence nugget, so to speak, all the way until a full produced script. But during the script submission policy, which we can get into more detail with if you want, um, every one of those scripts that was sent into our offices was covered by one of the staff members or by an outside reader, and they would type up a one-page synopsis of what the script was about. Um, and that's how those got covered. And and then the fate of those was kind of up to the next hands it went into. So Didn't the, didn't the script coverage reader kind of give a basic opinion about they it? They did. They did. Um, but they weren't the ones to give a yes or no. Right. So right. there were times where they might have said pass, but somebody like Jerry Taylor or Ron Moore might have gone ahead and read the coverage and thought, well, no, wait, maybe there is something in this. Yeah, a nugget or a premise or something. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then what's and then as people that know the credits know, that could turn into everything from a, I don't know, a hundred dollar check and thank you and no credit to maybe a from a premise buy at the end yes. or, or no or maybe five hundred dollars but no credit. I mean That's right. To there were maybe different a story. Ways to, you know, a story with three other names attached to it. Yes, like I think one of the most uh, names on any script during that time was Yesterday's Enterprise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> About seven names on it. But yeah, you know, there was different ways to get your foot in the door, whether it was to sell a, a premise or a story or a full script, which didn't happen very often. Right. But. Well, and a lot of times if it was, it, and Michael, open, we can talk about this more later, but Michael opened up this radical open script submission policy because normally it's like with these two letters here, these first two letters, it's people trying their hand at writing 
And then even whether they're good or bad, just getting anyone to look at it and, and read it because people are busy, but also because of the guild and it's the catch-22 oh, of you so can't much. get red if you're not in the guild, but you can't get in the guild unless you sell. So that's how do you right. break that, right? Yeah, it's like an actor who doesn't have a SAG card. You can't you get the SAG card without the acting job. Yeah, it's a big catch-22. But, um, you know, thankful, thanks to Gene and then on to Michael, we certainly at Star Trek opened up a lot of doors for young writers. Yeah, well, and I'm, I'm looking at, so both of these guys would be considered not total strangers to Gene, so he's doing them the favor of right. reading them and giving, you know, his, like, the first one, brutal friend advice there. But his second one, he sees promise in it, and he's giving the second one to Don Warner is the one that I see all kinds of phrases that remind me of, like, the Star Trek nuggets. Because later on, after a few years of the job, you very famously, and a lot of people came through those, and a lot of people remember, some of our listeners today, I'm sure, were at them or remember them, the script submission workshops that you used to do. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And would give advice yeah. like this. Um, he's And he does, he, he tells the, in the Don Warner letter, he's, um, he says it's not commercial, air quotes enough, to have a, an agent look at it. It's not in standard form, <laughs> you know, find the format, type it to what they want all of that and how to do your directions but then he goes back and says well but the core story has some good points so he gives a little right. you know sugar with the medicine there yeah he wasn't as brutal in that one i think he saw more promise in that exactly second. right it was worth the investment but again some of these exact phrases much less the intent is exactly what would happen with i mean you had a form letter you used to send yes right yes yes we had a form letter um, that we used to, for, I had forgotten some of this until I read the things you sent me, but well, you're for, welcome. Yeah, they had, <laughs> to get, they had to get, they had to order from, um, Lincoln enterprises, right? The, the form. Oh, they I got think. it from you guys. They had to write from you. Yeah. Okay. But what was that on Lincoln enterprise? I need to go back and look at that. It's you could get old, you could get the script guy, like the, the writer's right. guy, the writer's right. Bible. Right. Sorry. Right. But yes, yeah, so we would send out a form letter that would say, here's what we want from you. And we'd send it out with some guidelines and it would come a letter from me and I would sign it and that would go out. And then from that point, if the, the writer or writers wanted to go ahead and, and write a script and send it in, then they would send that in with the submission form. And then that would get read and then covered and then usually rejected with a nice other form letter sent back to them with my autograph on it. And I run into people still all over the world, even yesterday, my friend David Zappone, who's the producer on uh, 455 Films, he said, I still have your rejection letter on my wall. <laughs> well, that's, and what we're talking about is actually our third document this week. This was the first generation because Eric was still, Eric Stilwell was still the script uh, coordinator. I saw his name on there, yeah. But this is from 1991, but it got revised and updated all the way through until, I know finally, it was the year after you'd left, but when, when Voyager ended, and Enterprise, one of the fresh starts they did with Enterprise, because sadly, this was radical, right? Michael started this because he was desperate for ideas, but it was radical in that Gene's letter, what we've just been talking about, was the way it was for a good reason, because so many people... I mean, we have auditions for actors to weed things out. There's nothing right. quite so mechanical for writers, but um, people would, would pitch all the time and then come back later, a year later, and go, hey, you stole my story. Oh, yeah, that's when it finally had to end. 
they, they don't realize that 10 people have the same idea at times. Well, or that we'd yeah. already shot something that right. they don't know because it hasn't aired. But actually, that, the, the scripts emission thing did end while I was still there. Mm. It just got too much, too far out of hand. Now, over the time that I was there, we received over 30,000 scripts. That's a lot. Yeah. And that's not even talking about people that pitched, just Pitching. pitched ideas. No, that's this just is physical script. scripts that came, yeah. We have, we, I, I have pictures of you guys with the mountains of scripts. Oh, in our <laughs> office was just scripts, scripts, scripts everywhere. And that was kind of the, I hate to say it to people who knew that the, their whole life was in that piece of, that batch of paper, but that became like the drudge work of the office. It was like, oh God, yeah. I've got to read some more, you know. Yeah, even just opening them. But you that. didn't know when you might find a diamond in the rough. Yeah, and that's... That was worth it, I think, in the long run. But I think it just became too much trouble and too many legal problems, and it was just to stop it. Yeah, I mean, there's this release form that says, I'm releasing you. I will not come back in a year and say, you stole my idea. And yet they did. They <laughs> and do. That, and it ate up so much legal time that, yeah. It, yeah, yeah. It just it was a great experiment. A but my point is also a lot of these gems, we look, you know, and there's so much. What's amazing is these 1959 letters that Gene is writing to friends. He's going over some of the same points that you give people. Here we are 40 years later, plus 50 years later, and, and you're giving people a format of Star Trek. You're giving it in brief. Right. You're giving them. And the packets that you used to have for your workshops as a bonus. I mean, you had whole scripts. That was fantastic. And beat sheets and story documents. And yeah. All of it. All of it. That was, uh, I look back on that and those people getting to sit in a workshop with Ron Moore and Brandon Braga for only then, I think, $100. That was a really good deal. <laughs> <laughs> Take that whole packet away. And they were at a convention, so they were getting a convention experience on top of it. And it was so rewarding to, there were quite a few times, I don't know how many, I, I'm old and I'm forgetful now, but to actually see some of those people that we did the workshop for come through and mm -hmm. actually in the door of the writing department. Right. Because a lot of times people would send a script that had some promise and you wouldn't buy the script, but they'd get invited into pitch. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And yeah, so. there's lots. And then, of course, the success stories are and maybe they didn't come through this process. They 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 did what Don Warner was trying to do here and what uh, what Pat uh, Kieran was trying to do. Ron Moore's first script got handed off, handed off, handed off red. And well, it's Ron and Renee Echevarria, I think, are the only two people whose spec scripts were basically produced as the offspring for Renee and the bonding for Ron. Yeah, but I I always say there's four. Okay. Because, um, also, Melinda Snodgrass's Measure of a Man, I'm okay. pretty sure, was bought and shot pretty much as it was. I'm almost positive of that. At least I've always I've said that for the last 30 years, so I hope I'm right. I think you are and right, then, yes. I do remember one, um, and it was, was it third season? We were scram of Next Gen scrambling for a script, um, and they found Tin Man in the sludge pile. Right. And they pulled that. I think they did rewrite that, but not a lot. Um, so I think it's those four. If I And you know what I'm thinking about is Melinda was a known writer. She was a yes, novelist. Yes, she was. Uh, she what I'm agent. thinking of is Ron and Renee are like young waiters. Exactly. No, exactly. Exactly. And like you say, Ron's came in through a friend and was handed over, but Renee's came through the script submission policy. So, yeah, he was waiting tables in New York City and didn't know if he wanted to be an actor or what. And there he ended up 
we brought him out from New York uh, for a meeting and he happened to be there when Gene passed away. So we kind of shut everything down for a few days. So we had to keep him in Los Angeles um, before he could go back to New York because they were going to give him a script assignment. So. Well, I, I hear from people all the time who talk fondly about, you know, even though they got rejected, they've got a Lolita Fajo rejection letter. <laughs> but you mentioned Dave that it's that's that's quite coincidental because, it they, is. you know, the reason you've been talking to Dave is something that's very here we are very much on our on our minds right now. Right. Right. With the, the we're currently in production doing the Voyager documentary unnamed yet. So it's called the doc. Um, and it's being produced by David Zappone, who owns 455 Films. And he's well known for working uh, with Bill Shatner on all of his uh, mm -hmm. documentaries, of course. And The Love of Spock with Adam Nimoy. And then last, well, I say last year, but it was really what, a few years ago now uh, with Ira Bear on What We Left Behind. Yeah, a lot of people are really familiar with and And uh, The Chaos on the Bridge. Yeah, Which was on one of Shatner's, I know, but I always think of it as a standalone because it was so. Yeah, yeah. It was so, so distinctive. Yeah. And Dave has a Dave has a long history with Star Trek, so. Yeah, and doing the there's an Indiegogo campaign going the month of March. Yes, that'll come March first. So everybody tune in to either the Indiegogo page or the Voidoc page. We have a YouTube page. We can talk more about that too. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very good. It. Well, it's like what I love to say about the Trek. I love finding these letters from 1959 and going, oh my God, this could have been, this was said in the 90s and it could be said today and, you know, systems come and go, but everybody is still, we have people out there that want to tell stories and some of them are better at it and some of them need a little help. But, That's right. you know, we, we, it's, it's just amazing how much, uh, <laughs> I laugh now because we have these short seasons where there are more producers than there are slots for episodes. So the, <laughs> the, the third party writer is kind of a, a dying breed on a lot of TV, but, uh, but the instincts are all the same. Yeah, yeah. Well, Lolita, I'm so glad to have this, I say trip down memory lane, but uh, <laughs> still very much relevant to today. And uh, listen, this whole thing about the Voyager documentary and some of the other folks you worked with at Star Trek, um, are so are so exciting would you come back and be with us for another show do oh another absolutely time anytime cool. thank you so much for having me oh sure 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 well like i said long overdue yes <laughs> thanks the trek files is produced by roddenberry entertainment executive producer rod roddenberry now all of our documents and your chance to comment are available at facebook.com slash the trek files check it out every week and for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek and Portal 47. That's me at LarryNimacek.com. Trek well, everybody. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.